I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hell! Uh, nope. Is he there? No, I don't think he's there. God, he's creeping me out. I got a dog. And he's just always snooping around. Listening, watching, judging. And I'm convinced he's at the top of the stairs. Uh, welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. Fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion, not just recording, uh, here in my basement. Uh, also, I happen to read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to read, uh, A Mother's Arms by Serena Dory from her short story collection, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which was published on March 18th, 2021. Want to learn about the author? Sure. Uh, Serena Dory has sold over 170 short stories to markets like Analog, Daily Science Fiction, uh, Magazine of Fantasy, and, uh, and Science Fiction, or Scott Card's IGMS, Cosmos, uh, and Abyss, and Apex. Uh, her stories have published novels and won humor contests and Romance Writer of America awards. Uh, she has over 50 novels published, including her best-selling series, Wombie School for Wayward Witches. Uh, you can find out more, uh, along with more of her work, at SaritaDory.com and sign up for her newsletter to learn more about new releases uh, and free offers. I'll link to those things in the show notes. Uh, fun facts... I never got to reach out to Serena. I got real busy with this dog. I was supposed to reach out to Serena and go, Hey, uh, you got any other fun facts? I've been kind of saying the same ones for the last uh, couple episodes. But I never did, because the dog took up all my time. By day, Serena is a public school art teacher, artist, uh, belly dancer, uh, performer, instructor, copy editor, fashion designer, and event organizer, and probably a few other things. By night, she writes. A few of her favorite things include uh, gluten-free brownies, not necessarily gluten-free, Star Trek, steampunk aesthetics, fairies, Severus Snape, Captain Jack Sparrow, which I can get behind, and one I cannot get behind, Mr. Darcy. Still got a ton of time before the grandfather clock strikes to let me know when to shut up and to move on and tell the story. Uh, my kid really, really wanted a dog. So there's a lot of back and forth between uh, their mom and I, and uh, finally decided, yes, we'll get this dog. But the dog's got to start out since I'm divorced and the kids have to go back and forth between two houses. Uh, the dog's going to start out in my house. Why? Because my house isn't brand new. It can take a beating. So we're going to establish this as the dog's kind of home, which means that the kids are going to be around with the dog so the dog can get used to the kids. So when they start going to the mom's, uh, they will have uh, the, the dog will say, oh, it's those people. They're here with me, so I'm not that frightened. None of this is important. Uh, what is important about what I just told you is that my kids are here all the time. I used to do my recording when they were off at their mom's. Then I could be as loud as I want and not be embarrassed. But uh, they're here now constantly. Ben and I are going to do, uh, we're going to read our last Twilight episode. Uh, and we planned on doing it drunk. But instead, uh, we're still going to probably get drunk. It's just that my kids might be upstairs. It just kind of ruins the whole vibe. 
The worst part of uh, having people around listening to you while you're trying to do a podcast, it's kind of like I've told other people, they say, oh, you have a podcast? Can I hear it? And I say, nope, no way you're ever going to hear it. Why? Because it's weird. It's like if I was really good at interpretive dance and I wore a little leotard and I strutted around and other people that are into interpretive dance would say, oh, he's very good. And I'd say, well, thank you as I'm doing a weird prance with my legs and my hands and my hips and my arms out like little peacock wings. Uh, eh, but when you're people that you work with or friends you've known for a long time, you don't want them to see you that way. So eh, that's the way I feel about my kids up there. Has the dog peed in my house? Yes, twice. Is he cute? Yes. I'm not a dog person. I never have been. I've never owned a dog. Usually I just kind of tolerate dogs. They're cute and friendly. I've liked them in the past, but I don't like look forward to seeing them. Uh, so, but this one, uh, he's starting to, I, I'm starting to kind of get why people are dog people and why they say dumb things like real good boy all the time. Is he a good boy? Okay. I was about to go off on a tangent about why I hate dog people. Uh, with that, why don't we, uh, get into the story? A mother's arms. I was what my people called eight blessed. Uh, one child for each of my arms. I rested in the immense boughs of the flowering nectar tree. Uh, each of my outstretched tentacles tended a baby octopillar. Oh, that sounds adorable. And my babies tangled themselves in leafy twigs. <laughs> I experimentally uh, suction cupped their tentacles to themselves and me. I never had felt more full of pride and joy as I had when I when I birthed my litter. Other babies, meh, where does healthy red or so full of personality? Uh, other mothers surely were capable of the love I felt. Only I had been called the great mother, implying I would be twice uh, mothered and deliver two litters of larvae. At least uh, that's what we thought uh, the cowworm prophets claimed when they migrated past my village last season. Uh, they had also said something about a, a great burden uh, and an important choice uh, and other things that were too hard to understand. My sisters just called me eight blessed. My uh, little squiggly squirmed constantly, uh, tangling herself and one of her sisters. Uh, purple spots tried to escape, uh, but each time she managed to disengage, I, I pulled her back into my care. Drooly beak kept suckling the tree instead of the purple flowers. Uh, on the day when everything changed, I was so distracted by my babies, I didn't hear the commotion overhead. A cry of alarm shot up from neighbor mothers camouflaging the dense blossoms of the trees. Oh, I peeked through a window in the purple canopy for predators, and what I saw made me tether my children more closely to me. A battle raged above us. Blue mothra flies collided with a flying arachnopede. Poisoned uh, powder snowed down from their wings. My, my skin had toughened over the season, and the toxins of mothra flies no longer uh, harmed me. Oh, but my babies weren't immune. I shielded them so that any powder falling through the leaves would drift onto me instead of them. Upon watching these sinuous movements in flight... I realized the creatures battling our moth and five flows, uh, foes were arachnopedes. Uh, they were a new species I had glimpsed the season before uh, when I had been a larva myself. 
Uh, the shimmer of metallic blue and silver armor caught the light of the sun. The alien invaders swarmed the sky like a flock of antivores in my craze of a natural flight. I tucked my children into the hollowed hole within our tree. Little Squiggly, eh, my smallest baby, suction cupped herself to me with her quivering arms, hiding her head under one of my arms. One of the mothfires fell on the other side of the swamp. Uh, the earth shook from the impact. The clack of an octopillar, a uh, beak echoed from a tree nearby. Uh, my nearest neighbor asked, uh, What's happening? Soon the trees of the swamp cracked and, and chittered with voices asking whether this would be a, a new predator we should be wary of or if they would be allies like the antivores. The hum of flight turned into thunder as an alien invader swooped lower, drowning out the conversation of our tree colony. All these aliens rivaled the size of adult mothflies. I could only hope they weren't so uh, carnivorous. They swooped lower and lower, and I tucked myself as far inside the hollow of my tree as I could, changing my color from red to brown to blend in. It was just then that I noticed purple spots, uh, my biggest and bravest, clung uh, to the limb of the tree, waving a red and purple spotted arm at the potential predator. Oh, my heart's convulsed in my chest. You get back and hear this before I can finish. A mothified dropped lower still. An invader followed. Venom made a fire shot out of its mouth and spewed into the swamp. A line of trees erupted into flames. Oh, my nearest neighbor's tree exploded into mine, and we were sent crashing into another tree. Shards of wood cut into me and pain seared through two of my limbs. I was torn from the tree as it split apart and landed in the swish of the swamp muck. My babies fell out of the hole in the trunk, landing in the soupy water. Squiggly squealed with pain, but, uh, but still clung to me. Amidst the chaos of my village, the blazing nectar bosom blossoms, bosoms, oh man, you can see where I want to take this story, blazing nectar blossoms and explosions all around us. I scrambled back to the remnants of my tree, three little red bodies oozed with purple blood. Pinned between the tree and a mess of gnarled roots, my twin hearts lurched, and I thought I would be ill. Sweet, uh, little shy arms, bobblehead and purple spots were... Still under the base of the tree, only their tentacles visible. My life, my babies were gone. No, this couldn't be. My stomachs quaked and limbs twitched like they all wanted to go in different directions. I, I still held squiggly. What of the other four? Well, they were nowhere in sight. Panic seized me. I sifted my tentacles through the putrid slime only encountering tree roots, and my friends and neighbors crawled past into the swamp. Oh, but I continued to search. The battle cry of another alien invader thrummed closer. A line of flaming venom rained down at us. Squiggly squirmed and whimpered with one more glance at the sludge where my other children might be. I decided I had to get to safety for my one remaining child's sake. I, I tucked Squiggly more securely under my arm, and I fled deeper into the swamp. The sharp blades of a bog grass raked against my underbelly, but I crawled on, not daring to swim, uh, swing from tree to tree, as was the custom of my people. Uh, now with those, with those, the sky predators still humming in the sky nearby, I avoided the patches of deep water, lest Squiggly drown. Only when the sound of explosions and the smell of smoke faded did the pain register. Oh, my tentacles throbbed, and shards of the tree that had exploded from me protruded the various tentacles. Uh, bog water uh, burned cuts in my mantle, and I crawled into the, into the dead skeleton of a fallen tree to rest now that the aliens were gone. 
Squiggly was too tired to cling to me, and I had to reach around with one of my good arms uh, to tuck her under a stronger tentacle where she'd be safe. The trees in this part of the swamp uh, grew taller and thicker than my previous home. There were no trees with hollows or nectar blossoms here, but the dense curtains of foliage offered a sanctuary of safety. I hoisted myself up one of these leafy trees, uh, but my shaking limbs weren't strong enough, uh, and I slid down. Uh, purple blood dripped from my shredded arm, uh, the suction cups raw and ragged from the bog grass. Uh, sister mothers from my village swung from trees, continuing on with the stamina I could barely keep up with. I forced myself to follow. Uh, as the sun shifted in the sky, I fell behind the others. I clambered over roots. Finding a tree with a, with a hollow at its base, another family hid within. Oh, the mother pushed me away with a strong green arm uh, from the unfamiliar blue ridge dots over the giant. I, I realized she wasn't one of my own villagers. I stumbled along with purple-skinned neighbors. I tried another tree, but it was inhabited by one of my tribe and her remaining children. I moved on to the next one, and it too was taken. I wandered further out. From the dense jungle of trees at the edge of the village, alone and separate, stood a half-rotted tree, barren of bows. I took refuge in the hollow at the base that overlooked a great expanse of foamy green water. I untucked Squiggly, uh, noticing at once she wasn't squirming, not even as she did when she slept. I unfolded her tentacles and a splinter of wood impaled her through the squishy flesh under her mantle. Instead of being a healthy red, her skin was a translucent pink, like that of a like a, that of a cow worm. She gazed up at me, her eyelid half closed, and I cooed at her, trying to reassure her that it that it would be all right. I carefully grasped onto the fragment of wood. Squiggly made no sound. I pulled it out quickly, uh, wanting her to be free of it, and a spurt of purple blood uh, leaked out of her. Her eye closed. A tremor racked her small form momentarily before she stilled. I wrapped my arms around her. No, not all of them. Those monsters had taken all my babies from me, furry, racked uh, from my weakened body. I gazed up at the sky, vowing I would have my revenge on those invaders. Well, this story's starting out pretty darn sad. As an owner of a new dog, I just see little puppy eyes looking back up at you as there's a giant stake impaled through them. Weak from my wounds and weary from loss, I wanted nothing more than to hide in the tree hollow and die. I already felt as dead as the wood around me. The idea of being childless was so depressing, most mothers chose death. Mothers did live long after their litter of young grew old enough and strong enough to care for themselves, secure their own trees. Uh, they stopped eating uh, once their young left. They developed lesions across their mantles and their tentacles uh, uh, fell off, uh, leaving uh, voids. Uh, that were prone to infection. Weak and riddled with sickness, <laughs> they left their trees to be picked off by scavengers. Really detailed how that whole process works, and it's disturbing to read. There was a term for what these childless mothers were. Arm barren. I was now one of those mothers uh, with no young. The loneliness in my heart felt as though it would swallow me whole. I yearned to become like the arm barren stop eating. The one idea that kept me going was a need, the need for revenge, the need to kill the creature who had taken away all the joy in my life. Over these days that followed, more battles raged in the sky, but these were distant, mostly near our old home, 
and I remained in my dead tree, not able to muster the will to leave for nectar. My limbs shriveled from the lack of food. When it happened that one of the alien creatures fell from the sky, aglow with orange flames from its own venom, and leaving a, a trail of clouds in its wake, my beak quivered with longing for vengeance. The alien sky beast crashed in the swamp where the trees grew. Oh, it fell so far away I could only see the trail of smoke it left behind. I, I crawled over bog grass and, and fallen trees, making my way through the muck that stank of rot. Oh, I was weak from wounds and dehydration, but my mission, my mission gave me energy. The plume of black smoke and an acrid stench grew stronger as I neared. The sun slipped lower toward the horizon. The glare of golden light caused the silver and blue armor on the sky beast's body. Soon it would be dark and the arachnopedes would be out to scavenge. Without the cover of nectar trees, I was easy prey. I had to destroy this invader before anything found me. I bounded closer, avoiding the flaming front and smoldering wing. The, there was a strange, uh, he was a strange angular beast. The entire body was pointed like the triangle leaves of a, of, a, of a fern nut tree. I suppose the clear bubble at the top might have been its head, or maybe that was an eye. It didn't have a head. Half of its body was submerged in the water, so it was, it was hard to tell. The creature lay still. It didn't look as ferocious without the acid fire shooting out of its mouth. Uh, the cowworm prophets who used to crawl past my village during the migration told us uh, these invaders were creatures who came from the stars. Of course, uh, cowworms had also called me Great Mother, and there was nothing great about my existence now. Cowworm prophecies held little weight with me these days. Uh, one of my, scar my scarred tentacles dredged through the slimy muck until they found a rock. Climbed over the cooler side of the sky beast, choking from the smoke, and I, uh, I was bigger than her when I stretched my tentacles across the length of her form. Uh, a jagged edge of her eye raked against my tentacles and, and lacerated the shriveled skin. The smell of blood would draw arachnopedes, but I didn't care. I bashed the rock against the remaining eye bubble. Uh, it felt good to destroy. Much of the eye had already been broken, and it fell away from the wiry frame. Something uh, within moaned and moved. And fear made me freeze. I reminded myself that I didn't care if I was well enough to battle. I would, I would make her suffer. In, inside the alien's eye, a movement from a pale appendage caught my attention. Uh, there was a pale worm-like creature within, uh, with black fur on what I presumed to be, a, to be a head. I blinked, clearing the smoke from my own eye. And there were three of the little things inside. Only one stirred. A baby? My enemy's baby. These sky beasts had killed mine, and now I would kill hers. I knocked away the remaining pieces of what I had presumed to be an eye, uh, but I now suspected it was a mantle or an abdomen, and I wrenched the skeletal frame to the side. Oh, I raised my rock again, and within the creature mewed like a, like a baby. My twin hearts clenched, and I thought of my litter, which had never had a chance. This baby sounded so much like my own baby's. Uh, she was about the size of Squiggly, uh, shorter than an adult tentacle. How could I kill such a fragile, pathetic thing? I was no larva killer. I was a mother. I touched the tentacle to the smooth skin, the color of the tree bark. It quivered. Hunger? In fear? I don't know. I just knew it wasn't safe here. We weren't safe. 
The sun sank lower on the horizon, and long shadows from distant trees crept toward me. I tried to lift the creature, uh, but it screeched pathetically. Uh, red blood oozed from the wounds on her head and her appendages. And I say her, because all larvae are female until they change. Uh, she was caught in a reclining position. A dark vine was strapped across her abdomen. In the distance, a shrill screech echoed across the swamp from the mountains beyond. The arachnopedes were coming. Oh, they could eat me and this larva. Remembering the sharpness of the eye, I broke off a shard and used it to cut through the vine. Gently, I scooped up the larva and slithered down from her mother's body. I, I held her as carefully as I could with four tentacles and used the rest for speed. I crawled through the swamp, slowed by the thick slime of the decomposing forest. The ground thundered and the colony of arachnopedes neared. Oh, I hurried through the swamp and into the dead tree forest toward my village. My, my bleeding tentacle left a trail of purple blood. I gazed about for a, for a hollow tree, but there was none, uh, only decaying stumps and straggly trunks. I changed my color from purple to brownish green to blend in with the sludge. Uh, the thundering of arachnopedes' legs grew louder, and the trees here weren't dense enough to hide me. I would only be safe once the trees were thick with leaves that would shield me from the sight and rich with blossoms that would mask my scent. Behind me, an arachnopede roared. They were giant compared to the mother's sky beast body. One pushed away another who attempted to bite into the body. A third came up from behind and threw the first one off. I would have traveled faster swinging from the trees, but my new baby looked so broken. I was afraid uh, to try, nor could I risk being spotted. I pushed myself through razor ferns and jagged edges of bog grass. The sweet fragrance of nectar wafted toward me from the forest ahead. Uh, the, uh, the green trees were in sight, uh, but the dying light, they were as distant as my daydreams of motherhood. Thrashing arachnopedes came from behind me, and I swiveled my head to see one shaking a green uh, male octopeller. Uh, he didn't even screech. He was probably weak and dazed after mating. It was, a, it was a wonder he'd survived at all out in the swamp. I could barely see where I was going in the growing darkness. Uh, every black shape ahead loomed like a predator. I zigzagged my way back to the village. Uh, legs shook the earth as an arachnopede approached. I was so close. The brackish fumes of decay grew distant. The familiar scent of nectar filled the air. The arachnopedes skittered to one side and then the other. Mandibles cracked in the air as the creature tried uh, to scent my blood and the babies. It would have been easier to throw the sky beast baby aside and let the arachnopedes find her so that I could escape. Eh, but I couldn't. I wanted this baby to be mine. My tentacles hauled me over the familiar lattice of the tree roots as I neared my home and I crawled across a fallen log and, and zipped over to my tree skeleton. Uh, the hollow was just big enough for one mother cradling a single baby. The boughs of the trees rustled as the arachnopede experimentally reached out to inspect for prey. Soon they passed the swamp forest for easier meals. I hugged my new baby to me. She, she was warm and still alive. I had little in the way of nectar other than a blossom or two floating in the scum of the swamp water. I chewed a, a dried blossom until it was rehydrated and spread the paste over her wounds to keep them from bleeding. Twin moons rose high in the sky, watching out for us so that I could rest. I hoped my new baby would last the night. I slept more restfully than I had in days. When I woke, I found my precious treasure was like squiggly in her attempt to explore. I let her crawl out of our den 
curious to see her move. Uh, labored breaths and grunts came from the baby's mouth. Red blood crusted over places in her, in her spiky black hair uh, and across the skin the color of tree bark. I wasn't sure if the shreds of white had lifted from her red wounds were a layer of protective skin or a kind of uh, swaddling like the tiny sneak pillars uh, used for their young. She used her upper appendages to drag herself over a log and, and around a clump of razor ferns. Slowly, she lowered herself into the swamp muck, careful to avoid using her lower appendage, uh, the one with the nectar coating that sealed up her wound. Her appendages? Uh, they moved like the jointed legs of an arachnopede, only one was swollen, and it didn't move like the other one. When my baby had crawled a tentacled length away, she placed a stick in her mouth and wrenched on her leg. Her muffled scream gave her pain away, and she, she lay back panting, tears spilling down her face. I carefully scooped her up and returned her to my arms before anyone might spot her. She shrieked, though, and squiggled uh, more than squiggly ever had, and I used my calm mother tone. Hush, dear, you mustn't hurt yourself worse. Uh, it took six of my tentacles to hold her still so I could change the nectar dressing on her wounds, uh, and by the time I finished, uh, she tired herself out. I smoothed a tentacle across her face. Uh, her two brown eyes fluttered closed, and she sagged into my arms. Two eyes, uh, that seemed a fitting name. I hadn't minded the barren tree I'd uh, lived in while I resigned myself to be arm-barren, but now, with a child, I had to find a better home. While two eyes slept in the tree, I crawled across the swamp, examining the dens of my neighbors. The best trees were taken, of course, one of the garden tribe mothers eyed me warily from her perch in the tree bows, and another silently regarded me from her tree hollow. One of my own purple villagers, a mother I knew, greeted me. Barren arms, you left your hole for the blossoms? She held two babies of her own in their tentacles. Uh, one more swung from limb to limb in the tree above. How her children had grown since I last see them. I dipped my head in thanks. Copper Mantle, I must make a request of you. Do, do you know of any tree with a hollow big enough for me? Dot, dot, dot. And a baby? She blinked. A baby? Are you twice mothered? She reached out and stroked my mantle where the eggs would grow. After, after, after a visit from a male, I brushed her tentacle away. I've adopted a larva. Oh, let me see what I can find, she said. And she loped into the tree and cracked her beak to draw uh, attention from her neighbors. And does anyone know of a, a tree that'd make a good home for a new mother? Her words were echoed by her neighbors who asked their neighbors who asked theirs. And soon the entire village was clacking and popping with discussion. Uh, just what I needed, the entire village to know my business. As the clatter died down, I heard a call from uh, the southwest of the village. Uh, There's a tree full of nectar here for the taking and more uh, to the west. I scurried back to my barren tree to take two eyes to her new home, only uh, she was no longer in our tree hollow. I see I should have named you Quick Escape, I said once I found two eyes crawling through the swamp mud back to her mother's body. I carried her to our new home, trying to be as gentle as I could while she squirmed and screeched the entire way. I shielded her from curious eyes lest someone object to an alien in our midst. Maybe I should have named you Squirmy, I said, as I could hardly imagine how her mother had managed three. Her screeches reached new peaks when I carried her up into the boughs of an empty tree, and at first I thought that nah, she was in pain. Then I realized she was afraid. I held her close. It's all right. Mama won't drop you, I cooed. 
By this point, uh, I was exhausted, but I still had work to do. I licked off the dirt from her wounds and applied new nectar dressing, and she went back to her squirming, making the chewed-up mash I had applied uh, slide everywhere. Oh, I held pollen nectar blossoms to her mouth, but she pushed them away. She didn't need nectar, didn't she? I hoped I would have have to hunt I wouldn't have to hunt sneak pillars for her or some other uh, insect. I pantomimed how to suckle the nectar out of the blossom. Uh, only then did she silence and comprehend. Her brown eyes went wide as she watched me. That's right. And you need to eat so you can grow big and strong, I said. I handed her another one. And this time she took it in her appendages and suckled. Seeing her eat meant she had the will to live, and I gathered my own meal of blossoms and ate with her. Oh, she stopped being so fussy after that. It's amazing how food in a, in a baby's belly can make such a difference. I clicked my beak and pointed at myself. Mama, I said. It took a couple of times to understand I wanted her to repeat. Her mouth opened, and she made more of a, a, a popping than a clicking sound. And she pointed to herself and spoke in a low undulation. That sounded like... Jonathan. I humored her and made the same noise. She shook her head and repeated the sounds. We went back and forth, me trying to repeat her sounds, and two eyes never seeming pleased, and I wasn't sure if Jonathan was the word for a baby or her name. I pointed to one of my neighbor's chubby babies. <laughs> Watching us from a cluster of nectar blossoms. Her little ones were a season older than mine had been. I stretched a tentacle in the direction of the green baby. Jonathan, I asked. Two eyes pointed to herself again. During the course of the day, two eyes was able to understand important words like food, uh, hungry, and uh, potty time. I wish I could do this with my dog. She repeated and expressed the concepts of boo-boo and sleepy, uh, but I knew she must have been older than my own head bit. When the twin moons rose in the star-speckled sky, I sang a lullaby of clicks and crooning like the other mothers in the trees with their young. Two eyes fell asleep in my arms, nestled within our new home. When I woke in the morning, I found she was awake and, uh, and still there. Barren arms, are you twice mothered? My new neighbor, Redbeak, asked. As she peered inquisitively into the tree hollow where two eyes napped, has a male visited you and brought you a second litter? Shuffled in front of the entrance, uh, a protective urge washing over me. Not a litter, uh, just one. Well, she chittered with delight. Uh, should I call you twice mothered? Or uh, maybe we should call you uh, lucky with the males. Seasons ago, we had a, a mother in our tribe who was thrice mothered. I knew it was only a matter of time before my neighbor saw my baby. I could hardly imagine how they would react. Coppermantle uh, says he adopted a baby. One of the other mothers said, uh, up from within the tree. Uh, small tentacles, I think was her name. She, she asked, uh, where'd you find her? Uh, where, uh, where's the mother? Well, with that, why don't we take a little break and uh, retire up to the master bedroom, where I can, I don't know, soothe you myself, maybe sing you a little song as I read to you the newest and hottest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Come on, I came all the way upstairs. Where are you? Oh, I can't find you any. Where are you? Hiding? Are you? Oh, there you are. Oh, you're a little scamp. You're going to keep sneaking away like that. I should, I should tie you up. Which leads us to our next upcoming romance novel, Bound by Jackie Burton. 
Uh, love is bound to be a wild ride in this sexy romance from New York Times bestselling author Jackie Burton. Valerie and her two sisters are reunited at their family's Oklahoma ranch for the first time in two years. When Valerie left for the big city to become a doctor years ago, she kissed her foreman husband goodbye, along with the best sex she'd ever have. Now, seeing him brings back sizzling memories. As Valerie gets back in touch with her ranching roots, she starts to question why she left the ranch in the first place and struggles to resist the walking temptation that is her ex-husband. As the citizens of her hometown beg her to become the town doctor, Valerie must choose between big city life and country life and the man she left behind. Well, that was the uh, direction I was looking for. Uh... You can find Bound by Jackie Burton on August 17th at Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, which is a name I like to say, uh, Google Play Store, and Kobo, weirdly not Walmart. Well, that book didn't turn out to be what I wanted at all. You can take the ropes off that I slipped on you while I was reading that. Uh, eh, not horny anymore. Why don't we go back downstairs and finish reading the story? She didn't uh, come right out and say it, but the implication was there. I lifted myself up and puffed up my mantle in indignation. If someone in our village was missing a baby, don't you think they'd know by now? Maybe we should call you Nosy Tongue. She rearranged her tentacles and flushed blue. Redbeak chittered with laughter. Yeah, yeah, that's what our larva mother used to call her. Small tentacles cracked her beak together in a rowdy shout. Ah, be quiet. All of our talking must have woken two eyes because she staggered out of the hollow using a small branch to assist her. Redbeak went silent. Two eyes stooped to the mound of nectar blossoms I'd made for her, said she was too injured to collect them herself uh, as she froze watching us. Redbeak stared, unblinking. Two eyes must have realized she was, she was safe uh, as she picked up a nectar blossom and slurped the fluid from the swollen nectar sac at the base of the flower. Another neighbor crawled over the roots of her tree and into mine to get a better view. Two eyes limped back behind me. What, what is it? Small tentacles asked. Uh, my new baby, I said. I didn't dare say a sky beast baby. Uh, whatever it is, it has a healthy appetite, Redbeak said. Oh, we all laughed about that. <laughs> all my other neighbors were so optimistic. Octopillars came from the far end of the village to spy on us. Eldest mother, the village's wise woman, chittered in disgust when she saw me feeding two eyes. She immediately called a meeting to order. Octopillars crawled over tree roots and swung from branches to surround us, and I, I knew they meant to decide whether to exile us or worse. Two eyes sank low behind me. Food, she asked. No, I said. No one will eat you. I hoped it was true. I crouched in the center of the village circle and held two eyes protectively to me. Uh, uh, what, what is that creature? Eldest mother asked. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know what she is, I said. Uh, she's very well behaved. At least she is when she isn't scared. For the way she wiggled and bit my tentacles when I let them get too close to her mouth. Oh, I doubted I fooled anyone on that account. An old neighbor, a purple octopillar who... Uh, wasn't uh, yet a mother, knotted her tentacles together in anxiety. 
I know what it is. I saw Baron Arms go into the swamp after one of those sky bees fell from above. Uh, which, when she came back, she had that thing. It's, it's one of their larvae. It's one of those aliens that destroyed our old village. No, I said quickly. This isn't a sky beast. She doesn't have wings. Uh, she must grow them. If we don't know what it is, uh, how do we know it is dangerous? One mother asked. Well, how do we know it won't sneak up into our tree hollows as we sleep and eat our babies like the males sometimes do? I asked mother, another mother who with a litter of larvae the size of mine uh, had been when, when they both did. Uh, she's injured and weak and harmless, I said. She won't hurt anyone. Red Beak waved a tentacle in the air. Ah, sisters. Baron Arms has a pet, that's all. Remember Blue Eye and how she found that injured Fuzzy Pillar and nursed back to health while she raised her own litter? We learned how to milk Fuzzy Pillars for stores of our concentrated nectar for our young. Yes, I bet you learned much about the Fuzzy Pillars from her, I added. Oh, I remember her. That was the Fuzzy Pillar that got snatched up by the Arachnopedes last season, someone said. Uh, that Fuzzy Pillar had dung for brains. Yeah, eldest mother held up a tentacle to silence the clatter. This is an alien baby. Remember how much we could learn about our enemies from her. Uh, I didn't like the way that sounded. Uh, like we were using her instead of raising her. Uh, it wasn't very motherly. Oh, they let me keep my new baby. But instead of being called Baron Arms, they renamed me Crazy Tentacles. And my baby, Alien Pet. I was far too busy keeping a new baby occupied to pay them any mind. Uh, Two Eyes had a thirst for knowledge. She wanted to know how to say everything. She had made markings of the swamp sludge with a stick that vaguely resembled uh, millibeetle carvings. Uh, many times I had to remind her with gentle tugs uh, that she was to stay in my tree and not go out into the barren trees uh, toward her mother's carcass. The arachnopedes will eat you if you don't listen to mama, I said. Can I come over and play with your pet? A crimson-flecked youth asked from my neighbor's tree. She's not my pet. She's my baby, I said. Uh, me too, me too. I want to play with your baby, said another child whose tentacles constantly twitch. Uh, you have to be gentle. Uh, see, see her leg? It has nectar bandage because she hurt herself. Uh, the neighbor children were about her size. Soon they would be... Eh, old enough to find their own homes, they circled around two eyes, examining the five appendages on her upper limbs, and I knew she had little appendages at the bottoms of her legs, but she kept them encased in soft armor uh, when she wasn't sleeping. Uh, how does she climb trees if she doesn't have suction cups? Twitchy asked. Uh, she's like a newborn. She doesn't have suction cups yet, nor did I know if she would ever grow any. Two eyes let the children pet her and, and touch the prickly fur that had grown on her face. Twitchy giggled. Uh, she's a, a pretty big baby. Oh, and ugly too, said the other child. No, I think she's cute. Twitchy wrapped her tentacles around two eyes and, and gave her a hug. Uh, two eyes flailed around and fell over, and she made grunts of displeasure until I pried Twitchy off. Maybe she'll like hugs when she's a little older, I said. Right now, I'm the only one that she wants hugs from. Our tree village, filled with the sounds of twitters and clicks at sundown and the other mothers sang their babies to sleep. Each night, I held my baby with tentacles that grew stronger and thicker every day. And I sang the lullaby of our story to two eyes. Once upon a time, there was an octopillar mother who was eight blessed until the sky beast came and it breathed down burning acid and all became a flame. Eight blessed thought her hearts would never be the same. Then she found two eyes and loved her like no other. 
Sometimes I added stanzas about the times before she'd come, or, or about the events of the day and her curious antics playing with Twitchy and the neighbor children. Uh, sometimes the two eyes sang along, though I doubted she understood most of what she said. Uh, two eyes did uh, grow bigger or develop suction cups, but she, uh, she did grow smarter as she healed. Her vocabulary increased, and she asked questions. Several moons after she arrived, she watched our neighbors with a curiosity one morning uh, as she noticed red beaks young puffing themselves up in the wind to catch the breeze. They were nearly half my size and would uh, keep on growing after they left. Two eyes pointed to Twitchy as she held onto a branch. Uh, What's that? Watch, I said. As she stared... Uh, with those two small eyes of hers, the children's mantles spread wide to catch the wind while they held on to the highest branches. Uh, their mother went to them, one by one, and pushed them off so that they sailed in the breeze. Ooh, two eyes said. We watched red beaks four young and, and another mother's fly away over the dead swamp. Oh, they'll find their own trees and become mothers, I said. Oh, no, Two Eyes grabbed one of my tentacles as she shaded her face, uh, gazing up at something in the sky too far off for me to see. She was good at seeing. Uh, Maybe having two eyes came in handy at times. I saw a blurred speck. It rapidly grew larger. A mothra fly descended down upon the young and scooped one up. Wails erupted from the trees, and the babies were too far away for me to see who had been snatched up. Both mothers chittered and clacked their beaks in despair. Two Eyes covered her face and and shook her head. Who was it, I asked Two Eyes. Twitchy! I wished I hadn't asked. Sometimes having two eyes didn't make things any easier. Uh, When the males of the neighbors developed ridges along their back and and swollen genitalia that gave their gender away, Two Eyes pointed and asked, "Uh, What's that? When the young males became too big, their mothers pushed them out of the trees to find their own hollows, and so they wouldn't eat their siblings. Uh, Two Eyes asked, what's that? That was a lot harder to explain in a way she could understand. They're grown up. They have to find females to make mothers who are uh, right age. The males live by themselves. Two Eyes pointed at herself, I grow up. Uh, I roll one eye, no yarn. And she pointed at herself again, I male. She rubbed at her furry face. All larvae say that. You're too small to know your gender. She pointed out the swamp. I go find home. No, I said firmly. As smart as she was, there were so many things Two Eyes didn't understand that any other octopillar would have. When one of the newly developed males tried to sneak into my hollow so he could mate with me, he probably would have made me twice mothered. But he took one look at Two Eyes and clicked his beak in disgust and scurried off. Two eyes asked, why? I'll sing you a song about it when you're older, I said. So many questions. Was this normal? I didn't dare to ask my neighbors. Two eyes noticed Red Beak's barren arms and her lack of desire to leave the tree. Uh, She brought Red Beak nectar blossoms and tried to feed our neighbor. Sick? Hurt? Two eyes asked. Red Beak sighed and turned away. Why Red Beak sick? Two eyes asked me. Because sad for Twitchy? She is not red beak now. She is bare in arms. She will no longer uh, has young. When mothers no longer uh, need to stop eating, we waste away and then we die from sorrow. Uh, why? We have served our purpose and there isn't anything left to live for. Why? Oh, you understand when you're older. Why? Because. Uh, sing to me, mother, Two I said as she nestled into my arms in our tree hollow. Over the long dry season, her speech developed into an adult's. Though uh, she still didn't grow in size. Oh, I'm 
Too old and tired after carrying you into the tree three times a day, I said. You sing to me. Two eyes sang me a song in her language. Her voice was low and deep. It was soothing in a different way than our, our clicking lullabies. The words were eh, nonsense to me, but she told me afterwards what it meant. It was about a baby in a treetop who fell. Where was the baby's mother, I asked. A good mother wouldn't let her baby fall out of a tree. She should have had a tentacle watching each child. No wonder you were so scared of this tree when I first found you. Where'd you learn such a song? Uh, from my mother when I was a child. She patted my tentacle lovingly, like she didn't want me to be sad for bringing up her other mother. I clacked my beak together. You're still a child. I haven't been a child for a long time, mother. This again. How many times have we been through this already? Someday I would like to go home so I could see my other mother, she said. I have a family in my colony. Oh, you're the mother, I said. The one who fell from the sky, she died. And I'm your mother now. No, that wasn't my mother. That was a... Uh, it's hard to explain. Remember how you showed me the antivores riding the fuzzy pillars because they don't tire easily and it makes their duties easier? Uh, my people use sky beasts in the same manner. Only the sky beasts are mechanical creatures we create. Me uh, mechanical? I don't understand. Uh, does that mean uh, you won't grow wings and look like the sky beasts when you grow up? Just the idea that she wouldn't someday spit fire filled me with relief. And, and she shook and made a deep, chittering sound, as she often did when she found something amusing. Oh, I already told you, I'm grown up. That's what Larva always said. It took two eyes five times longer to climb up into the tree on her own uh, than it would have for one of my own babies. But she was finally able to collect her own nectar, and she stared out through the blossom canopy toward the sky beast that wasn't her mother. I was supposed to learn from two eyes to help my people understand her alien species, but I found the learning I wanted was more for myself. I stretched a tentacle up to the limb beside her and hauled myself up. Uh, why were you inside the flying creature if she wasn't your mother? We were in a battle. The mothflies have always stayed away from my colony, but they swarmed and we had to drive them off. Of course they swarmed. It's their hatching season and time for migration. Don't you people know that? Why did you people have to battle right above our home and injure our children, my children? I'm sorry, Mother. We stay away from the swamp. We, we didn't know about your people. Well, you do now, I said. Yes, and I need to tell my colony so we can be allies and not hurt you. My tribe would have rejoiced to hear this, yet my heart felt heavy. I knew what would be coming soon. Uh, Mother, Two Eyes said, I need to go to Baron's Swamp. I shook my mantle and swung down to the tree roots outside the tree hollow. No, it's too dangerous. She stared out toward the expanse of mud and dead trees past the live ones. I'm healed. I can walk on my yawn. Yes, but you move too slowly. You won't be able to get out there and come back by nightfall. The arachnopedes will smell you and gobble you up. The sun was already high in the sky. But I, uh, I have to try. I need to retrieve something from my time before... I, I need to see if I can speak with my people so I can go home, be my family. This is your family. I'm your family, I said. Two eyes turned her head to Red Beak's empty tree hall. And she said, Red Beak let her children leave when they were ready. The weird words seared me like venom. Uh, who said she wasn't related to Sky Beast with such a poisoned tongue? Tomorrow, I said. Uh, the next morning, uh, she was gone when I awoke. 
I thought about following her out into the swamp, but uh, she was right. It was time for me to let her go and time for her to start her own family. I settled in my tree hollow, watching the sun rise higher in the sky, and then slipped down toward the other horizon. Later in the day, my baby returned, carrying some kind of rock or armor with legs protruding out of it as she limped and fell against my side. I hugged her back to me. Ah, you came back! Hello, mother, too, I said. She patted my mantle and eased herself down on the lattice of roots. See, the Iraqi peas didn't get me. What happened? Why are you limping, I asked. Ah, my leg is just tired, that's all, too, I said. I actually pulled the spidery rock into her lap and tinkered with it for, uh, for days. She uh, would have neglected eating if I hadn't made her. Her rock crackled and made fuzzy sounds that almost sounded like her voice, only higher. I, I listened as she spoke into the rock. It blinked with a green light that reminded me of, a, of, a, of an eye. She whooped and hollered, It works! I made it work! She tried to explain to me what she'd fixed, but I didn't understand the strange words she uttered. Uh, you best hide that thing away before the light attracts predators, I said, and slid it into our tree hollow. One of our neighbors... That was a new mother with a baby larva that hadn't been developed tentacles. She showed off her babies to Two Eyes and me at the base of the tree. Uh, may I touch one? Two Eyes asked. The sky thundered, and we looked up. Sunlight shone clear and bright through the petals above our head. No storm raged. The branches of the trees above us shook, and I scooped up Two Eyes and cradled her protectively. She shouted, but I, I couldn't hear her over the approaching noise. The ground vibrated. And I scrambled over tree roots to get back to the protection of our tree. The joyous laughter and songs that had been in the air only a moment ago died in the rumble. The air smelled of smoke and sky beast, but out in the swamp beyond it landed. And a clear eye on the top opened and the small two-legged creatures ran toward us. They've come for me, two eyes said. She waved a hand at them. My two hearts sagged. I carried her closer to our tree hollow. I let me go, mother, she said, and I set her down, but kept her behind me. My instincts told me to be wary, and I should see my instincts were right when one of the creatures shot out a bolt of venom at me, only missing me by inches. A spray of farks, uh, sp farts? <laughs> That's me reading. Nice work on my part. A spray of sparks flew off from the tree, and I flinched away. Oh, I pulled two eyes back with me. Two eyes shouted in her native tongue, uh, but the three figures kept running forward. One of them raised a stick, and the fire erupted to my left. Splinters rained down on my mantle, and I scrambled back. My baby launched herself forward and threw herself protectively over me, uh, though she was dwarfed by the size. She kept shouting and saying words I couldn't understand. The others, like her, froze and lowered their rods in their hands. They looked around at the trees and the cowering octopillars hiding in holes and clinging to limbs. Two eyes went to the others, like her, gesturing at the trees and talking. Tentatively, I crawled forward and two eyes patted me. Don't worry, mother. They've agreed not to hurt anyone now that they know the octopillars are friends. My people won't be doing any more shooting near your village. I'll make sure of it. The lump in her throat bobbed up and down there again, and her eyes were sad. You're really leaving then? I asked. She stroked one of my tentacles and hugged me. It's time for me to go home to my family. I didn't tell her this was her home. I didn't tell her I was her family. I let her go like mothers were supposed to. I rested in my tree hollow, unable to eat or sleep. It wasn't like the first time when my babies died and part of me still wanted to live. I had no desire for nectar nor a will to be part of the village. I considered crawling out into the swamp to become easy prey, but my limbs were heavy and I couldn't motivate myself to move. 
Uh, the sun rose and set several times. A shadow fell over me. Uh, if a baby arachnid had come for me, I, I was too tired to fight it. Mother, your neighbors tell me you haven't eaten in days. It was Two Eyes' voice. They call you Baron Arms. I squinted up at the shadow outside my hole, and the light was bright around her form. I suspected I was hallucinating. She waved a nectar blossom under my mouth. Mother, you need to drink blossoms so you can grow strong. Dredging up the ability to speak was an effort. I no longer have an appetite. My purpose in life is over, and I can die contented now that no one needs me. Now you can't die. I still need you. And she opened up my beak and placed uh, my tongue in the nectar blossom. Uh, What was the harm in indulging in a fantasy? I drank. The nectar was sweet and sharp, and I knew it was no dream. That meant she truly was here. I lifted a shriveled arm and brought another blossom to my mouth. My stomachs rumbled and hunger came back to me, reminding me I was still alive. I squinted at her face, smooth and free of prickly hair like when I'd first found her. How can this be, I asked. Babies don't come back. Well, I've come back. She fed me another blossom. I wanted to see you. I wanted to introduce you to someone. She waved a hand, and a a two-legged, two-eyed creature peeked around the tree. She was half the height of two eyes. The creature bounded up, the swirls of fur on her head bobbing like tentacles. A baby, I said, and I folded my tentacles around her and and hugged her to me. Uh, She laughed and hugged me back. Uh, This is Katrina. Uh, She's my daughter, two eyes said something to the larva, and the baby stroked my mantle. I have a son as well, but he's too young to make the journey out here. Uh, He's with my mate in the village. You have babies? You really are grown up. Well, not so grown up, I don't need my mother. Uh, Come back with us to the village. We have nectar blossoms there, and you can stay with my family. Uh, Octopillars only make one great journey in their lives, and I've made two. If you count the other, uh, the one after the fire, uh, I can't make another. Octopillars also don't become mothers to humans like me. But you did. Will you do this for me? Will you come with us? Human. That's what they called themselves. Uh, What a strange word. I waved her off. I'm too old to make a long journey. Uh, We brought a hover truck to bring you back before nightfall. It's mechanical. Like like the sky beast. But they travel lower to the ground. I'll show you. Hover truck. Nah, another forward word. I crawled over the tree roots uh, to the flat creature as she loaded me onto. Katrina got on and snuggled next to me. I patted her furry head and sang to her. Once upon a time was an octopillar mother who was a blessed until the sky beast came. It breathed down burning acid and all became a flame. Eight blessed thought her hearts would never be the same. Then she found two eyes and loved her like no other. Two eyes left, but then returned to her mother. My baby settled herself at the front of the mechanical beast. I really am a boy. You know that, don't you? Two eyes said with a smile. I shook my mantle and rolled my eyes. That's what all larvas say. Well, with that, why don't we uh, retire to the smoking room and, and review what we just read. Well, why don't you get yourself settled in while we uh, review what happened in this chapter. Uh, Octopus Mom uh, has a bunch of babies. Boy, is she proud of it. Uh, people prophesied that she was going to have a bunch of boy. She's almost kind of gloating. Then uh, the new breed of people that come from the stars 
have spaceships and they're getting in uh, fights with moth flies or whatever and they're flying around killing each other and accidentally kills all her babies out of rage she finds one ship human ship that fell to the swamp she goes after it to kill it sees a human inside doesn't get it uh, thinks it's a baby decides I'm gonna keep the baby so gives her a purpose and a reason to live because normally after your babies grow up and move on or they die uh, you're just supposed to kill yourself and get out of the picture so she finds a new reason to live, and boy, is she happy. Cute little story about the two of them getting along, learning about each other, and it uh, turns out it's actually a guy the whole time, but she thinks, that's what larva always say, it's a girl. And then eventually, uh, little larva, human, moves on, uh, communicates with his people, and goes back to his own town. Uh, and then uh, she's, that's it, I'm done. Rolls over, gonna sit in my tree and wait to die. But... Uh, Jonathan comes back and says, hey, check out my family. Uh, and why don't you get in this truck? We're going to take you back to my place. So it's kind of a cute story. Definitely had a cute little ending. Uh, an octopus mom has a new purpose in life. What's good? That, uh, that this sad octopus mom uh, wound up uh, being kind of happy in the end. Kind of makes you sad. The beginning was so kind of uh, kind of heartbreaking. I was like, well, where's this, uh, where can this story possibly go if everyone's dead? So it turned out pretty good. What sucks? All the babies dying, of course, that part. Uh, and what do we learn? Well, we learned, just like me with this new dog, I'm not a dog person. Uh, I'm not going to go off on a tangent about dog people and how I don't usually like those kind of people. Uh, but now that I have one, my little heart has worn my tired, cold, little shriveled up heart has warmed up to this thing and I'm starting to learn to appreciate it being around and I've definitely had moments where I'm just sitting in one room watching TV and like ah, I should go check on the dog and then I go up and give it a bunch of pets and for the first time in my life when a dog licks my face I don't want to throw up I actually don't mind it and I, I don't wash the spit off I'm okay letting the spit stay there on my face dogs tongues are still weird they're like giant human tongues but uh you know, I'm learning to be okay with it. So, you can learn to love something that's not even human and treat it like a baby. Well, with that, uh, I'm a little sad. I'm going to have to, this is it, this is the last episode of Serena Dory Month, so I'm going to have to move on from here. Maybe she'll be nice enough to let me read something in the future, but uh, got to figure out something else to read for next time. So with that, uh, I will see you uh, next week. I don't know. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name 
instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. 